that's why I want, that's why God works in crazy ways. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you about a dumb short track in Vermont. And here we are talking about, you know, issues that can hopefully help change the world. Yeah. I'm honored to have Steve Phelps, my guest today on Wall Trip Unfiltered. And Steve, I've got a funny story. I want to share it with you. I'm, I, I thought this was interesting. I was listening to Dave Moody the other day on uh, Sirius XM or Fox or somewhere. Yeah. And he said, you know, I, I knew Steve Phelps. I didn't know him, but he was sitting in the grandstands listening to me. And I said, well, that's a great story. I got to, I got to talk to Steve. I've got to have him on the program. So I did not realize your love, your passion for motorsports went back 30 years ago to Catamount Speedway up in Vermont. That's that's pretty incredible. Well, if if I were 37 years old instead of something that's significantly old, it was actually about 50 years ago that I went to um, my first NASCAR race at Catamount Speedway at the age of five um, with my dad. Um, and he was nice enough to tell me that I needed to root for the Vermonters. I couldn't root from anyone from New York or Quebec. So you had to root for the Vermont drivers. So um, I did my best to take his advice on that. So uh, were the who were your favorite drivers? Were the Dragon Brothers? I mean, I, I remember the yeah. name 100 years yeah. ago. Yeah, the Dragon Brothers, Beaver and Bobby Dragon. Um, there were some others, uh, Robbie Crouch. Um, but yeah, but the the driver as a five year old, my at, to tell you how old I am, my favorite, my favorite program at the time was uh, Speed Racer, and that was a white number five car, and so I went there, and saw the white number five car, and my dad said you can't root for him. That's John Paul Cabana, and he he's from Quebec. You can't root for him. You need to root <laughs> for the Vermont driver. So. Secretly, I was rooting for the white number five car. It just looked looked like Speed Racer's car, so that's what I went with. Yeah, the, the the reason I think that's so ironic is because you know when I when I called you last week and asked you if you'd be kind enough to to do my podcast, it was it was based on that you know I I didn't know your background and it just intrigued me. And fast forward to to Sunday afternoon in Atlanta, and you gave that uh, heartfelt, touching. Uh, speech prior to the race and uh, as a as a racer I wanted to say thank you for for what you did and what NASCAR organized for our sport and I um, I wanted to, to, to tell you it, it it touched me and it's because I respect and admire uh, the racers so much because I was one of those guys but I've also been a you know, I'm your age so since I was five, I've been a, I've been a race fan as well. And you know, you 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 made a difference. You stood up and said said it's time for us to to listen. It's time for us to, to act. It's time for our sport to 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 take a, a a position. Thank you for what you did. Well, um, thank you for saying that, Michael. And you know, it was um, and I'm just not saying this. It was a, a collective effort from a lot of folks, including, um, you know, obviously Bubba Wallace and, and the kind of the week he had and, and, and he's been very public about, hey, I reached out to drivers and asked them for participation. And then really Jimmy Johnson stepping up and being the kind of the leader of that group. Um, and I thought that was a very powerful video that they put together. 
And I think, frankly, without that video, you, you, Jeff Gordon's comments, I thought, were phenomenal, right? Um, heartfelt, sincere, you know, who he is as a person. Um, so I thought that was huge. And then, you know, I, I humbled to have the opportunity to represent um, our sport in those words, but I was representing our sport, right? My organization, the broader NASTAR industry in, in what we were doing. And I, and I was humbled to have that honor, uh, truly. Um, but I, I would suggest without the driver video coming on the heels of that, um, it, you know, it doesn't mean that the words were different. It's just that it, I don't think they were as meaningful um, without the weight of the driver, Corey. You know, Michael, you, you were a driver and a successful driver who had your own, you know, kind of legions of fans. Um, you know, multiply that by the 35 drivers or how many number within that video, um, each resonating with their own fan base. So that, that to me was a very powerful thing. And the drivers have a very powerful voice uh, with our fan base. You know what, what I, I took away from, from Sunday and strictly off of your words and the driver's participation was um, I'm, a, I'm a good guy, you know? I'm, I'm not gonna be mean to anybody. I'm gonna try to make the fans have a better day at the races. I'm just a nice, I just feel like I'm a nice guy. And I guess maybe I thought that was enough, you know? And I think a lot of us are in that same, same boat sometimes. You, you know, you think you do the right thing and, and that'll be enough, but then you, you think about like Bubba, a friend of yours could be faced with and, and it just, it just breaks your heart. It, it's, and, and not, it's never that, nothing's ever always that way, but it's certainly more likely to happen to, to him than me. And so it, you know, it, it makes, I, I haven't acted, I don't think yet, but it certainly has opened my eyes. It, it did indeed make me stop and it made me listen and it made me want to make a difference. And that's why I want, that's why I'm, God works in crazy ways. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you about a dumb short track in Vermont and here we are talking about, you know, issues that can hopefully help change the world. Yeah, no, and I appreciate, you know, your kind words and, and, you know, I listened to the words you just said, and one of them was listening, right? And that's what Bubba said, hey, can we have a dialogue? Can we, can we talk about this? Can people listen to, you know, that someone else is in pain? Wherever, whatever it is, right? They may be racial, they may be other things, right? As we come off this, you know, hopefully come off this crazy pandemic and start to find some normalcy and then, you know, kind of this, um, you know, kind of throwing the, the country into additional um, difficulty and turmoil and people being afraid. And it's just, um, you know, I think it's a unique opportunity in our history as a country, but it certainly is a unique opportunity for us as a sport. And you see other sports that are taking their own measures, whatever they may be. Now ours are different, right? Ours are, you know, we have our own set of challenges. We have our own set of um, things that are unique to us. But I think the underlying component to it, Michael, that you were saying is, you know, should it be enough that, hey, you know, I'm a good guy? Um, and to your point, 
maybe that's not enough, right? Maybe because I didn't walk a mile in someone else's shoes, I can't understand it. And so why are they so upset? I, I don't really get it. Um, but I think having that opportunity and you being reflective on that, I think is an important thing. And, and I think that's what we need to do as a country. That's what we need to do as a sport. I, I, I think, you know, my position on using sports as um, kind of as a platform, my position has, has changed. Because um, I actually think it's important for us to be able to do that. that and, and I think that athletes have done that right? Um, a lot of athletes have done it. You know, maybe not as much in our sport, partly because of the kind of the role that sponsorship plays, kind of almost like a filter that exists as part of it. But I, I think that our ad, that's why I thought the, the video was so powerful, right? And all the messages that happened, and the, the thing that tied, you know, the uh, conversation that Ty Dillon had with, with Bubba and you know, drivers putting themselves out there, um, I, I thought was incredibly, incredibly powerful. So, and then what do leagues do, right? Um, hey, leagues just sit in the back where the government, no one really cares. You know, it's someone good to blame for anything that, that, <laughs> that works against their driver. Um, but I think it's important for us to do that. And so again, I, I would say my position has changed on that. And, and we saw that on Sunday and kind of manifested in the, the words that, that I spoke, um, which to me, again, I, I thought they were very powerful words and I was, um, I, I was honored and, and, you know, kind of moved and emotional about the whole thing. And, and so what have the last, uh, the last 24 hours or so been like for you after putting putting yourself out there as the president of NASCAR and putting our sport out there, making a, making a statement, because um, I, I think we're both very aware. There's, there's a lot of people that, that are just mean and no matter what you say, it's the wrong thing. How, 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 how's yesterday been received and, and Atlanta overall been received by the community? Yeah, I would say, you know, I kind of break it into two pieces. One is the NASCAR community, which obviously we're very concerned about um, because it's, you know, you know, our fans are, are what makes this sport go. Um, and I'm sure there's a, there's a minority, of, a very small minority of those fans that will look at this. And, and I've heard from some of them that say, hey, I think you've made a mistake here. I don't think this is right um, for you to take this position. Um, and then there have been, you know, five times that number or more that said, I think this is fantastic what you're doing. I do believe that the driver's voice and having the drivers be a part of this, um, which by the way, was not our, wasn't our decision to do this. You know, that was, that was Jimmy Johnson and, and the driver's decision to do that. Um, did I think it worked together very well? I do. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that any decision that we make, we're never going to get 100% buy-in on it, whether we're talking about something on the racetrack, a rules change, whatever it is. Um, you're never going to get 100% um, you know, positive feedback. So we go to, you know, you look at the changes we've made for the car, right? And the 550 package with, you know, the downforce, you're not going to make everyone happy. You know, eight out of 10 fans, 
like the package. You know, you get 20%, which is a significant number who don't. Um, but still, we're not going to make everyone happy. We try, you know, like hell to do that, right? To make sure that we are serving our fans as smartly as we can. Um, as it relates to this, we thought it was a, um, we thought it was an important issue that cut across, you know, politics because we don't want to be, we don't want to be in people's politics, right? Um, those are their opinions. You know, we want, you know, all Americans and folks from around the, around the country or around the world to, to come and enjoy our events as a great place to escape, you know, what's going on in the real world. Um, but in this instance, we thought it was important to have our voice heard. Well, I think it was too. And I think also um, it was really important for me, uh, again, Sunday, it was really important for me to see what NASCAR official Kurt Price did. Um, and I'll tell you why it's important to me. Kurt said, I came from humble beginnings. I believe in humbly protesting and peacefully protesting. I would have, I would, I would have never dreamed that I would be okay with someone kneeling. Um, um, and again, you got to be careful what you say, but kneeling during the national anthem or kneeling during a moment we're honoring our country. But I, I certainly was 100% against people tearing up and, and robbing and looting. That's not how to protest. And Kurt showed me a way to, to respectfully protest to say, you know, I'm hurting and I need people to know that. Um, did did you see did you see that moment? I, I did not see it, Michael. I, I was at the racetrack. I was up next to race control. I wasn't in race control. Um, I actually had received an email from him during the race, and you know I've had some back and forth with him. He's um, you know a, I think a very thoughtful, kind man who you know when. I'll address our whole organization through an email. He'll always shoot me back a, a response saying, hey, I thought this was great, or hey, I'm in your corner, or whatever that might be. Um, you know, when I see him at the racetrack, uh, when I was allowed to, to, <laughs> to go in that footprint, which <laughs> I don't anymore, um, because I clearly am not essential personnel. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it. Um, I did see a, a picture of him, you know, standing back up um, and, you know, I think that he thought he was doing, you know, you know, what he felt in his heart was the right thing to do an emotional thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, um, I, you know, I was unaware he was going to do that. And it, I, it sounds like he was unaware he was going to do that. Yes. He was over, overcome by emotion. And, um, you know, I do, I think he's a, as I said, I think he's a very thoughtful, caring um, man who's obviously had some, um, some issues that you and I just can't identify with and, and can't appreciate uh, fully. We can, um, we can try to do that, right? And we can have empathy towards that, but, you know, we can't walk a mile in his shoes because we, we can't. Yeah. Well, again, well done. And I, I, I loved the pre-race at Atlanta, it changed me, I think, a bit. Uh, 
racing at Atlanta is interesting because the drivers love much because they're bouncing and bumping and sliding. And me as a racer, I get it. Um, but generally somebody gets hooked up more than anybody else and drives off and leaves everyone. And so as a fan, you know, you think, well, that could have been different. That could have been better. Um, but there was great battles throughout the, the field all day long. And then Kevin's, Kevin's celebration and honoring Dale, uh, you know, obviously uh, having close ties to, to Dale Earnhardt and what that day in 2001 was like when Kevin got that victory. Yeah. It was, you know, we had a, we had a wonderful pre-race and a really cool, really cool post-race with Kevin Harvey getting that victory. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I look at a couple of things, you know, Kevin's win at Darlington, you know, to kind of start us back up, um, kind of the historic nature of that racing without fans, obviously his first win and kind of the emotion and history around that as well. And then his win um, in Atlanta again, you know, back at, you know, the site where he, he won his first race. I thought it was really special in the tribute, you know, with the three and going around and, and, you know, it obviously would have been a lot more special um, for him and for everyone if you know, the fans had been there cheering. Um, you know, we, we want to get back to racing with fans. We, we miss the fans. And but we need to make sure that we're, we're doing that smartly. But, you know, it, I, when I saw him doing that, um, again, from, you know, high on the perch up there, you know, I thought it was fantastic. And I think, you know, he does such a great job articulating what his thoughts are. Um, and he's obviously a very, um, you know, he thinks about what he's gonna say, you know, in the moment and, and it's, he, it always comes off really well. I think he did a really, really nice job. I could tell you what it looked like at my house. My two grandsons were here and, and uh, my daughter and her husband and they're, they're big NASCAR fans. And when, when Kevin had three out the window, they, they had three in the air. That's was, awesome. They, they knew exactly what that was all about. Obviously, their, their uh, papa um, has some special memories of Dale. And, and so that, that, even though there weren't fans in the stands, I guarantee you there were fans all across America that were, were enjoying that celebration with Kevin, just like they would have been if, if they'd have been in Atlanta. Nope, no question at all. And um, everybody's been screaming for midweek NASCAR. Now we've got it, and we've got it on the short track under the lights. How cool is it that we're going to get to go up to Martinsville this week? Yeah, listen, I think everyone's incredibly excited about going to Martinsville for a midweek race. Um, obviously, a night race. You know, would it have been great to have um, the race on on May 9th when it was scheduled on that Saturday night? It would have been phenomenal. You know, I, I think the ticket sales that Clay Campbell, who's the president of the track, had, I think they were up like 10 or 12,000 tickets. It would have looked absolutely spectacular. And when we announced the schedule last year, there was a kind of red circle around that date that the fans were most excited about. You know, the, you know look over here at Daytona International Speedway, you know, coming back here for our, for our 26th race, our last regular season race here, I think is gonna be phenomenal. Um, but there's something special about going to Martinsville to, you know, to, to race at night um, and the specialness that is. So, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, we're gonna have to do that without fans as well. Um, you know, we don't have approval um, from the governor to be able to do that and, that, and that's okay. Um, governor needs to open his state the way he 
feels he needs to open his state, but um, I'm excited about it. I mean, if, if, you know, obviously Bristol and, and, and Martinsville are two very different racetracks. Um, obviously both short tracks, you know, roughly a half mile or longer uh, in one case, but um, one high bank, one not, um, but it's short track racing. And I think there's some, uh, <laughs> there's some folks out there that uh, probably some drivers out there have given the opportunity We'll move some other drivers because they feel like uh, it's it's their it's their time to do that little payback. Um, but we'll see. I, I'm just excited about it. Um, you know, unfortunately, I am not going to go. It's the it's the first racetrack I will not be going to. I, I haven't told Clay that yet. Um, but it's um, I got some obligations down here. But you can bet I'm going to be watching every single minute of that race. You know, Steve, I really appreciate you, you, your your passion for the sport and how sad you are that the the race fans aren't there. But I want to I want to ask you this: I mean, how proud are you of your team that you brought a major sport back to America uh, live on Fox and 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 giving people something for a few hours on a on a Wednesday night or a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday to, to, to just enjoy. But I mean, it's a major accomplishment what you guys pulled off and you had to do it in a, in a short period of time, first of all, but then also very sensitively and responsibly to make sure that you didn't screw anything up. Uh, what an undertaking. Can you walk me through? I would like to know the first conversation where you said, Hey, you know, I think we can, I think we can do this. I think we got the ability to, to go racing. How did that, how did that all go down? Well, I think you have to go back to kind of how we shut down. So on March 13th on that Friday, when we pulled the plug on Atlanta, um, you know, for the next two weeks, um, almost every single time I picked up the phone, someone had bad news for me. So, I mean, the phone would ring and be like, oh no, more bad news. And so then it, and then it started, you know, as soon as we stopped racing, we wanted to figure out how we could go back to racing. Um, we knew going back to racing was going to be without fans, at least initially. And so there's a gentleman um, here, his name is John Bobo. He, he's uh, heads up racing operations for us, uh, works for Steve O'Donnell. Um, John started to do some work to try to understand, hey, what's going on with this disease? We hired an infectious disease doctor. We started working with our medical professionals to try to determine, hey, what can we do here? And so John was really the architect of this and developed a plan that we then, you know, vetted through different uh, medical professionals to really see where we were. You know, are we, is this even possible? Um, and the more we spoke to folks, the more it looked like, hey, this is going to work. We can make this work. So then once we think, once we had the plan in place, then it really started to, you know, we need to start having discussions with the government, right? So um, the federal government, you know, the president decided that, hey, this is really out of my purview and I'm going to give the, you know, let the states have this. So governors and uh, really kind of in their court. So we started um, a lot of conversations uh, with governors, um, Lisa Kennedy, who is um, one of our owners, uh, and 
her, um, you know, her great grandfather started this sport. Um, so Lisa and I started having a lot of conversations with governors. Um, we started, you know, Governor, governor uh, DeSantis here in Florida was a, a big proponent of wanting us to get back to racing. Um, and he wanted to be first. Um, we thought it was smart to make sure that where we went first was in driving distance for our race teams and our officials and most of our industry. Um, so we really knew we needed to center on either Charlotte, Darlington, um, Martinsville, Bristol, which is exactly what we've done in Atlanta, obviously, as well. So they were all kind of day trips. Some are on the outer limits of day trips like Atlanta, but doable, right? You can do there. Um, and so the, our thought was crew guy gets up, you know, has breakfast, jumps in his car, drives to Darlington, works his work, you know, gets back in his car, um, drives back to Charlotte, um, eats dinner at home with his family or whatever it would be. And, uh, and then, you know, goes back again the next day when we have back-to-back -back races to the, to the degree that he does that. So that was important for us to do. I will say this, the calls with the governors and the county officials and the health officials, I fortunately didn't have to do any of the health official stuff. Bobo did all that. Um, but as I said, Lisa and I had some, some very interesting and unique conversations with, uh, you know, with the governors where we race. And so we've spoken to um, um, every governor uh, where we race. And, you know, for the most part, um, have either full approval or, hey, we need you to jump through this hoop or that hoop, but you know we're going to be good to go. So uh, we're trying to finalize the balance of the schedule. Um, yeah, I got a, a little bit of work to do on that front, but it feels great to get back to your original question. It feels great to be back. None of this would have happened without the collaboration of our industry. Um, I, had a, I had a conversation with um, uh, Marty Smith and, and Ryan McGee on their on their deal that they do every week and you know what I said to them and I say it here and I believe this to be true NASCAR does difficult things better than anybody any other sport out there so if it's hard we do a better job coming together collaborating to to make sure that we get all aligned and, and push this this forward on, on some of the smaller things, we'll bicker and, and fight like brothers and sisters. And, but on the big things that matter, this industry comes together. And I was so proud of the industry, the, you know, the race teams themselves and, you know, the tracks, you know, both tracks that, that we own, which makes it a whole lot simpler, right? With our, you know, with the 13 tracks that we, that we own um, as NASCAR, but also SMI, Pocono, uh, Bover, Indy, um, and the other race, the other tracks where we're racing, uh, you know, some of those standalone events um, where they are still happening. Those are, those are important discussions for us to have. Um, and I, I just, I, I filled with pride um, with how that, how our industry came together and the industry felt good about itself, right? Everyone wanted to get back to racing. Um, if you think about our journey and how terribly long it seemed to us, think about the other sports that are not racing or, or in some cases are not playing. Um, and they've got dates on the calendar, but 
you know, nothing's assured at this particular point for a number of the stick and ball sports. So, uh, yeah, just, just thrilled. And the protocols are working great. Um, you know, we'll put the same protocols in place for when the fans come back because we need to make sure our fans are safe too when they come back. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's our responsibility. Well, can I take you back to September of 2018 when you were named the president of NASCAR and the statement that you made and how profound it seems today? You said, we need to come together as a sport. And if we do, I have no doubt the sport will grow. How important are those words to you today? Um, because where would we be if, if that weren't the case? Yeah, well, I think that's the whole point, Michael. And, I, and we did come together as a sport. Uh, and as one voice, and we needed to. Um, I mean, you, you saw that yesterday in Atlanta. We came together as one sport um, and as one voice. And though not every single person is going to agree with that, um, it was important for us to do that. So, you know, do the words sound prophetic? It's probably the only prophetic thing I've said in my life. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, and we need to continue to do that. You know, my, my thought process that I talked to, to my team about um, and the many conferences call, conference calls that we had with other industry stakeholders, team presidents, owners, uh, OEM partners is this idea that we have an opportunity because we're gonna be first back, because we can showcase how great our sport is, because we're willing to do things differently, that we have an opportunity to create frankly, a much larger fan base than we had before. And that's what we want. Not, not to the exclusion of some of, of folks, but to show the rest of this country and the world at large how great our sport is. Why wouldn't our fans want that? Why don't we want to share how great our sport is with others? I know I do. Um, I know you do, Michael. Um, that's why, you know, that's why I go to work every day. Um, you know, I love this sport. You love this sport. It's been your whole life. You know, I, I had other jobs before I came to NASCAR, but, you know, this is a, this is a dream job for me, you know, and although at times it's hard, and it is, um, and, it, and can be incredibly frustrating, <laughs> but I've got the good fortune to be in the seat that I'm in, and there are millions of people who would trade places with me. In fact, you know, we've got 80 million fans 18 plus here in the United States, 80 million would like to change places with me. There's not a single one that probably wouldn't. And I'm, well, sure, they, they, I'm sure they all think they can do a better job than Well, when we, when we started 2020, um, we had our banquet in Nashville. We have this new car coming along. We got a new schedule we're all thrilled about and all this momentum and energy. How have you decided what to put on the back burner obviously most all of it had to to get going again but what we're we just had a big announcement we're going to go racing in nashville in 2021 so there's still work going on on the new car on the schedule how do you prioritize what your daily grind looks like well i'll say this and i meant this i mean this in all sincerity I, i've got i've got the finest management team that that you know they're the ones that are doing the work right and so if you think about the schedule you think about the next gen car you think about you know 
all the different ways that we're changing our sport to try to maximize the effective, effective, effectiveness of the sport and to grow. Um, I've got other folks that are doing that. You know, we've got, you look at the iRacing uh, deal that we had on television. and That was and, incredible. Yeah, I mean. I, I love that. The top six esports on television are all, of all time are iRacing, they're NASCAR. I mean, it's incredible. So having people think differently about what we do, or frankly, you know, what's the fan experience gonna look like across the street on August 24th, right? You know, we have to figure out how we're going to enter, entertain our fans differently, right? Because it, there are things that are still gonna need to be closed off where we can't have fans in close proximity with our drivers, at least not initially. And so how are we going to entertain our fans differently moving forward? Do you need to have, you know, can you do a Wednesday night show or a Thursday night show, you know, next year? One, in, out, in and out in one day. Does it work? Practice and qualifying. Where do we stand on those things? Everything needs to be looked at differently, in my opinion. And it doesn't mean that we're going to throw out things that, that you know, fans love. We're going, to, we're going to do things that make sense for our fans, right? That that creates a better meaningful experience for them in kind of what this new world looks like. So as it relates to the, the next gen car, you know, we've had to hit pause on that. We are still working on it at our, at our R and D facility. So it doesn't mean that we're not working on it. We are working on it. Um, and it's an important part of what our future is going to be. You know, the car is going to be racier. It'll look more like, um, you know, the showroom car. I, I think it's just going to be a phenomenal, look for our sport um you know do i wish in 2021 that car was debuting across the street i, I wish that were the case uh, but that's not going to be the case as it relates to the schedule in 2021 we're still trying to figure out the schedule for 2020 there are reasons why we needed to announce um nashville um and the nashville super speedway and, and I'll, I'll kind of put this out there i know there's some um, concern or misunderstanding about, hey, it's it's the super speedway or it's the fairgrounds. Um, it's not an e it's not an either or proposition. It's not. Um, if the fairgrounds get built um, and revised, you know, into a place where we can host a cup event and an Xfinity race and, um, or trucks, we would love to go to the fairgrounds. Um, I know that Marcus Smith and, and, and Jerry Caldwell at Bristol, um, working with Governor Lee, working with the mayor, are trying to figure out what that looks like. But I go, you went to, you went to our celebration in Nashville and, and you know Nashville very well. I mean, it's a, what a phenomenal town. And, and although the super speedway is you know, in Lebanon, Tennessee, it's not in Nashville, Tennessee, that market is full of amazing fans who frankly have to you know, travel you know, an average of 250 miles or more in order to go to, a, to, to see a race. Um, now they don't have to do that, right? And I think it's a phenomenal thing for the state of Tennessee. I think it's phenomenal for the Nashville market. Um, you know, I had, a, I had the opportunity to speak with Governor Lee, obviously, when we were going back to racing without fans. Um, I had the opportunity to speak with Governor Lee, the, the the, the day of Bristol to let him know that we we're going to make this announcement on that following Tuesday. And I can assure you, Governor Lee was thrilled about 
about us coming, um, you know, coming to the the national, the greater Nashville area. So, I, I you know, I hope that Marcus and team, you know, working with us to try to to create whatever we can do to to get to to uh, get the fairgrounds to a place where we can host a race there. Um, I would love to do that. Oh, I, I would love to too. But I wasn't an either or guy. I was just glad we were going to Tennessee. Plus, I don't know if you're aware of this, Steve, or not, but back in 2004, I absolutely dominated the, the Xfinity race there on a Sunday afternoon and took the checkered flag. So uh, I, when I go back there, I'll have fond memories of that day. I love it. Actually, um, I was running fifth, hadn't led a lap all day long, and then the last lap, the four guys in front of me spun out, and I passed them all. Hey, you know what? Did you did you lead the last lap? <laughs> I got the checker flag. It's just no, you got the hardware. That's right, and it's a and I have a guitar too. So uh, it's it's just it's fun talking about all these new. Um, even though we're we've had to hit pause, and I know the, the world hit pause, but you guys went to work, and the result of that is us getting to see racing, and I'm sure the same thing's happening with the schedule. Um, new venues, obviously, there's a lot of questions I get from friends about going to the Circuit of Americas. I know that's in Texas. We've got Texas Motor Speedway there. How do you, and I always want to tell my friends, go to Canada. Let's have a cup race in Canada. It'd be huge. We go up there for the, uh, the Gander Trucks. It's just a great, great event. And I just wonder, as a fan, how, how many how many of those tracks are on your on your map and you say here's one here's one here's one what do we think about this this and this how does that work yeah well fortunately other people are are doing that and i'll give a ton of credit to uh steve o'donnell uh to ben kennedy who has really been leading our efforts both with the 2020 revised schedule i mean ben kennedy put together i think 72 iterations of that as we changed and changed and it's just incredible and he did a phenomenal job and you know Ben's leading our efforts in the 2021 schedule and the 2022 schedule and the 2023 schedule trying to map out what that looks like so there are only a certain number of you know tracks to go to that would be I would call cup worthy so you know you know what they are and you've you've mentioned a couple of them you know have we had conversations with Carlo Fadani and the people at Canadian Tire Motorsports? Of course we have. Um, you know, we've had conversations with um, Road America. We've had conversations with, um, you know, St. Louis and Curtis um, out there. You know, whether any of these come to fruition or not, I don't know. Um, I really don't. Um, are we having dialogue with, you know, with different places around the country that we would like to potentially see events hosted at yeah and the, the difficulty is we're not going to expand our schedule between now and the end of 2024 we're not going to um i don't foresee us cutting our schedule either you know a lot of that's dictated by television as you know michael i'm giving you your ties with fox so if we go somewhere else right so take an example we went to nashville super speedway well that came from dover um so we will um, we won't be racing at Dover twice. Um, we'll be racing at Dover and that, you know, that facility and that great track once. And then we, they're going to take their other date um, with our blessing and go to Nashville Super Speedway. And you take a look at that. I mean, to me, is a perfect example of, you know, working with a, with a track 
um, you know, our broadcast partners and our fans were saying, hey, let's try some new things. Um, and that's why we're doing this. We're not doing it because, hey, wouldn't it be you know, just fun to go somewhere else? That's a byproduct of it. We're going trying different things because you look at something like the Roval and that generated incremental fan interest. More people watched that race. More people wanted to go there. You know, ultimately when we're able to have full grandstands again, right, when we get through this pandemic, then we want full grandstands. And do I think that having one date in Dover and one date in, in Nashville will help us do that? I actually believe that to be true. Um, you talk about going up for the, you know, the Gander truck races up in at Canadian Tire Motorsports. I mean, they've got phenomenal crowds up there, right? And some Beautiful. great racing. Um, you know, Road America, the Xfinity race at Road America, it's phenomenal, you know, and an iconic course. Um, and so, you know, those are things that, that we, we need to make sure that we are, um, you know, we're getting buy-off on everyone that, you know, our OEM partners, our teams, um, our fan base, importantly, because we've done a lot of research with the fans to understand what it is they'd like to see. I'll go back to the statement I made initially, which is, we're not going to make 100% of them happy, but you know what? If, if we can make you know 80, 90 plus percent happy with the decisions that we're making, then you know those those to me are smart decisions. You get up in the morning and you think, okay, I got an idea. I got to call Fox. I need to call Roger Penske. I got to call the track. I mean, the 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 decisions and and all the parts and pieces i'll go back to your statement if we all come together as an industry and do what's best for our sport then then we're going to be successful and it it appears to me and and i i wanted to say this to you um it appears to me you're the right guy to to bring all those folks together and i say that because a lot of people don't know the process I texted you last week and said, Steve, is this you? I think it's your number. And you hit me right back and you said, yes, sir, Michael, how are you? And I said, well, you do this podcast and, and all the things you're doing, um, it, it means the world to me that you, you, you gave me this time and also that we're able to share it with the fans because I think they're going to be more informed about, <laughs> about all the decisions that have to be made and what you're in charge of down there. Yeah, well... Listen, I appreciate the kind words, and I, uh, you know, not great about talking about myself, so I won't. But um, I love what I do, as I said, and I love this sport, and I just want our sport to continue to succeed and to grow. Um, you know, there there are a lot of folks out there that that are betting against us. I, I'm not. I I think that our best days are ahead of us, um, and they are ahead of us if we continue to collaborate with each other. Um, you know, I got, a, I got a call during the race yesterday from Eric Shanks, who just had really important and, and wonderful things. Uh, for your listeners, those that, that don't um, know who Eric Shanks is, he's the CEO of Fox Sports. And he was, um, he was um, very moved and, and pleased with, um, you know, with kind of the direction that we took in Atlanta. You know, it's, um, you know, hearing from different constituents, whether they're team presidents or owners or drivers or um, our OEM partners, I mean, the number of folks who are part of this sport that make their living this sport, that care about this sport is just, it's enormous. Um, you know, 
and, I, and to me, it starts with, you know, kind of the fans out here and then goes into this very small circle of industry people that come together to, to try to make this sport better. And as I said, we don't always agree with each other, but, you know, what I think we've been able to do as a sport is everyone gets the opportunity to, to say what they think and be heard. And from there we make a decision and then everyone needs to be on board with that decision. And so you're speaking with one voice because, you know, it, it doesn't work when, you know, you're, you put your position out there and 99 other people say we should go in this direction. You know, you as the one dissenter need to say, you know what? Okay. I, I apparently I'm not on board with everyone else, but I will, I will back the direction that you're going because that's what the sport needs. Yeah. Um, but I think what we've been able to do that's been a little bit different. Um, and, and I really, um, we haven't even talked a moment about, you know, Jim France. You, the, the impact that Jim France has had on this building uh, and on this sport is, is just enormous. You know, he's the founder's son. He's, he's a man that loves, you talk about our passion for racing, Michael. I mean, this man loves racing um, and he loves NASCAR. Um, and every day he wakes up and thinks about how he can make this sport better. Um, you know, what he and Lisa have done to kind of double down and, and bring the, the 12 uh, tracks, the, the public company, which was ISC private, um, you know, they, they showed our industry, right? The industry insiders that they believed that the sport's best days were ahead of them. That's why they made the decision they made. Um, you know, it was a calculated risk because they believe that it's going to grow. They believe that our sport is gonna, um, it, as it already has done, television ratings starting to come back, fan sentiment, what, what people think about where the direction of the sport is going is positive. That could not have happened without, without Jim's leadership. Um, you know, Jim's a, you know, kind of a more of a behind the scenes quiet leader, but you can bet he has every competitor and every owner's um, respect and that's what he has and I'm, I'm proud to work for Lisa and Jim um, they're good people uh, and they love they love the sport of NASCAR well I'm proud to call Lisa and Jim my friends and I will tell you this Steve when I walked on pit road and I did it a lot in 2019 and I see Jim France standing on the wall looking at the track or talking to competitors it, it reminds me so much of the 90s, uh, the 80s and 90s when I came up and, and Bill Jr. was there. And you, you, didn't have to, you didn't have to wonder where the boss was or what the boss was doing because he was sitting in that NASCAR trailer or he was on pit road. And, and I know it's 20 years later, but I get that same sentiment. I get that same excitement when I see Jim standing there just, just getting his, getting a taste of what's going on, having, you know, having his eyes and, and ears open to the competitors. That's so valuable, and uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud that 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 he has that passion for motorsports. Yeah, I do too. You know, it's interesting. I, there was a race, I think it was, maybe Indianapolis. Um, in fact, I know it was, and a couple years ago, and we we're down on pit road and. The cars came by for the first time to take the, the green flag. 
and they, you know, finish going by us. And he looks at me and goes, there is nothing in all of sports that's better than that. <laughs> and, you know, just the chills that you get and that, you know, kind of that, that feeling, you know, that you get from that and the sound going through you and all the rest of it that makes it, you know, kind of that visceral experience is, uh, that's who Jim France is. And uh, again, he's just, uh, he's a good guy and a regular guy. No doubt. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's incredible that, that you, you um, are so humble and so gracious and, and care so much about this sport. I think we're in great hands and I'm, I'm just like you, I, I believe in what we do. And, and there was a while there where I felt like I was having to defend my sport, but now I feel like I'm more of a cheerleader. We're heading in the right direction and, and you deserve a lot of credit for that, you and your team uh, and Mr. France and the whole Kennedy, Lisa Kennedy and her whole family. So thank you so much for, for the time and, and all that you do. Well, Michael, I appreciate it. It was a, a true pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I've been, a, as you know, a fan of yours for a long time. And I remember sitting next to you at a, at a Coke dinner that we had. And you were going to be racing in Atlanta that weekend. I said, what's your favorite racetrack? And you said, my favorite racetrack is the next, next racetrack I go to. So and I pressed you on that. He's like, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway, my I, I appreciate, you know, the kind words and, you know, all you do to promote the sport, you are a tremendous cheerleader for our sport, and I thank you. Yes, sir. My favorite, you know what my favorite racetrack is right now, Steve? Tell Martinsville. Me. There it is. There it is. Race. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. All right, bud. You take care. Okay, bye-bye. See you. Man, that was a lot of fun. Such a great guest. So informative. Thank you, Steve Phelps, for your time. Be sure to tell your friends about Waltrip Unfiltered. Tell them they can... Tweet us, they can Instagram us, Facebook us, whatever they want to do. Reach out to us and give us your questions. Be sure to also join us on our YouTube channel for some of our clips. Hang in there. We'll see you next week. Martinsville, short track racing, baby.